Huddle Up podcast is sponsored by Arena Eats. Log on to the website, arenaeats.app, that's arenaeats.app, for the ultimate fan experience. At your favorite sports venue, Arena Eats mobile app, pre-order, express pickup, and in-seat delivery. How do you place your order? Hey, everyone in, let's go. Huddle up on three, one, two, three, huddle Huddle up. up. No one, and I mean no one, comes into our house and pushes us around. This is your game now, gentlemen. Russian three, dropping eight. Uyangalale steps up, loads and throws. It's caught. It's tips backwards, up in the air. It's on the ground, still in Clemson's hands. And now it is down. It is over. And the Irish have knocked off number one Clemson. Fans on their feet. Rally towels are being waved. Brad Lidge stretches. VO2 pits. Swing and a miss. Struck him out. The Philadelphia Phillies are 2008 World Champions of Baseball. Eller for the draw. And as the puck drops, the words that D.C. fans have been waiting to hear since 1974. The Washington Capitals are the 2018 Stanley Cup champions. And now, welcome everyone to the Huddle Up Podcast. We're not going to be fucking sunk this year. We're the Stanley Cup champions. Yeah. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Huddle Up Podcast. We are live. It is the final Huddle Up Podcast of the year 2020. We could not be happier about that. Good riddance to this year. But welcome into the show. It is Tuesday, December the 29th, and we are glad uh, to be back with you again this week. We have tons to talk about, including uh, some predictions, both college and the NFL. We're going to look back at the year that was a strange year. Uh, that it was in sports and uh, talk about playoff formatting both in college football and the National Football League. But uh, before we do that, I got to get Sean here on the mic. Sean, how are we doing this week, buddy? Oh, rock and roll. Weather warmed back up here in Florida. Keep you entertained. As you can see in a T-shirt here at my outdoor studio. Uh, So uh, so not too bad. Uh, Pretty nice day. Uh, Even got the uh, Christmas presents out for little Nick. Played a little t-ball in the backyard today. There you uh, not go. Not too shabby. Um, I am able to out hit him uh, at this point. Uh, so, so one year old uh, can't out hit his dad yet. Uh, so, so we're uh, we're, yeah. we're going to keep tabs oh, on that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but good. No, that's uh, that is always good to hear. I'm glad that you can out hit uh, out hit your uh, your son there. That's 
Yeah. Uh, I'm proud of you, Sean. Getting there. I'm very yeah. proud of you. Um, but yeah, we uh, we got plenty to talk about. And, and Sean, we might as well jump uh, right into it. I mean, we are uh, now just days away from uh, from New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. And, um, you know, it's it, it, it's it's about time to put a damn bow on uh, on the year that was. But let, let's look back because, I mean, it, it, we, we, we've talked about this on on Three Count Thursday, my wrestling show a little bit. And it's weird to think about things that happened before the pandemic, but still happened in the year 2020. And, and I even remember it, I think it was like in, in, in like March or April, I had seen a commercial, um, that had aired during the Super Bowl, And it, and it just, it seemed so strange. Um, you know, looking at something because the Super Bowl at that point, even at that point felt like it was, it was so long ago. So like, Looking at some of the things, some of the best moments, uh, sports-wise, John, um, from this year, uh, what are what are some that come to your mind? I mean, for for me, I think the first one, you know, it 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 goes all the way back to October and uh, when Notre Dame beat, or at the beginning of November when Notre Dame beat Clemson. I mean, you know that that's a, that's a win. That's a win that. Notre Dame doesn't get all the time. That's a win that, you know, we've, we've kind of become used to Notre Dame not getting. So, like, to, to have that and, 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 you know, as the as the game itself played out, for Notre Dame to, uh, you know, to, to the book fumble and then you, you end up going to overtime. And we, we've seen those sort of scenarios play out so many times over the last uh, – you know, 10, 15, 20 years for Notre Dame and, and for them to actually get the victory. I mean, uh, you know, the, the, the ACC championship kind of soured it a little bit, but you go back to that game in November and, and that that's that's an all-time uh, moment for, for Notre Dame. For me, I mean, that that's the first time because it was, what, 93 was the last time they had beaten a number one team. I was I was seven years old, eight years old at that point. So Yeah, 93, I was a uh, Notre Dame, Florida State. It was, it was the only, like, the second time, I think, or something like that. In the, uh, because at that point, there wasn't a college playoff or a national title game where you, you, you really increased the odds of one to two. And, you know, even with just the championship game in recent years, you know, teams were able to opt out of bowl games. Back then, you couldn't. So, so not even just as a regular season game, but just seeing a one versus two, that game in 93 was huge. Uh, and it was it was still a very relevant Notre Dame team and, and um, obviously a Bobby Bowden, you know, Florida State team. So I don't know if the billing for this game was necessarily higher, but it was close. No. Um, and, and it was because I think it's been so long, not only since Notre Dame had a number one team there, but since that since Notre Dame was relevant enough for some to think they could beat them. Uh, right. And that was kind of a – it wasn't just like, oh, let's host a number one and see if we can upset them. It was like we were we were right up there in the top five with them. So that's, that's what made it, I think, a big, big-time game. And then and then to come out on top, yeah, I'm with you. I think that's a, a huge one. Yeah, like I'm, I'm trying to think of some other ones. And, and, it, and um, you know, obviously, you know, you, the, you had the Super Bowl. You had LSU winning a national title. I was going to say LSU. The Super Bowl was a big one for me uh, just because um, – you know, for a long time, you know, I, I was definitely always an Andy Reid supporter in Philadelphia. Um, kind of got ran out of town, and and I, and I think over time, the city and the area as a as a whole uh, kind of looked back and appreciated what Andy had done for the franchise. And 
But at the time, it was very much like this guy can't win any games that matter. And that, and um, that's not true because uh, to get to the playoffs and to get where he where he did get and then eventually not win one in Philadelphia, but to get to that point year after year and, you know, take a franchise that had been, uh, you know, since the Buddy Ryan area had, had been all but irrelevant, you know, for, for over a decade uh, and then to come in and, and kind of start doing your thing. And, you know, was he working with the draft picks of a Ray Rhodes? A lot of folks seem to think that the, that that helped, but um, that's only going to help you for a few years. You know what I mean? And, and kind of, you gotta, you gotta do your thing. And so for him to always be on the uh, cusp of, well, is he a hall of fame coach? Is he not? Which, which I still think was madness. I mean, Super Bowl or not. Yeah. Uh, I, the guy should have been there, but now, but now he, he was able to, with, with one huge win, uh, fully stamp that ticket to Canton. No questions asked. Oh, absolutely. Um, it's going to be a huge gold jacket unless things change. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm hoping, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that, that he has a couple more going his way. Um, why not this year? We're not going to be there. Let's go do it again. But um, but that was a big memory for me. Um, and as far as sports memories go, I mean, obviously, like you said, they all seem so long ago because there right. was like a huge gap. And then, you know, obviously, um, you know, you had the death of Kobe Bryant in there, which which as far as sports memories isn't a positive one. It's not a big game or a big win or but it would definitely was um, a clock stopping moment for the world of yeah. sports. Yeah, that was, and, um, that was the last Sunday in, in uh, the month of January. Yeah, it was way back at the beginning, and and it, you know it really um, it became really important, I think, for the NBA to to find a bubble and get things done because um, it would have been a shame for not only you know Kobe to have passed, but then but then have no one um, crowned a champion and and um, you know kind of have basketball stop that year it would it would have kind of put a huge damper on the league and. Um, you know, so I, I thought that, I remember that being a big one. The canceling of the it was big down here because it was scheduled to have a uh, to be here in uh, Tampa, the Final Four, uh, the NCAA March Madness oh, getting right. canceled. Um, you know, and I know the NCAA has done a lot for eligibility and things, but you had a lot of programs. Um, some were usual uh, programs uh, favored to get there. Uh, others not so much. But Gonzaga was on a run um, that was almost unheard of. Uh, would have been um, kind of one of the rare chances. Now they've been a one seed uh, in recent right. years, but not right. every year. Uh, and and it, but it was uh, they were like a unanimous one uh, and looking to just tear through and maybe just uh, get themselves a title. And you know all those kids, some graduated and chose not to come back. Others are sticking around. Uh, but you know you had a lot of schools that would have qualified for that tournament or, or been close and. Um, had to just go back to the drawing board. And, and that's a shame for, for young kids to have to do that. Yeah. And I, you know, I think the, the, the big thing that is going to highlight the, the, the sports year is things that didn't happen or things that didn't, or, or that happened uh, in, in months they weren't supposed to. And, and, you know, for me, obviously it, it's the, the adjustment of leagues, you know, baseball shifted, hockey shifted to bubbles, the, the basketball shifted to bubbles. But the fact that, those those leagues pulled it off and 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 pulled it off in, in relatively a quick time. I mean, uh, it felt like a very long time in real, you know, as it played out. But if, if you really think about it, they went from we have no idea what's going on, but we have to shut this thing down to getting back in play in, in, in a couple of months time and to do it in a safe manner, to do it in a controlled manner, um, you know, in, in, in hockey's case, to do it in another country. 
um, you know, is is impressive to to get, you know, another country to to kind of agree and to to allow, um, you know, travel from, uh, you know, the United States and and from other countries around the world to get people in into those cities, uh, Edmonton and Toronto to to make it happen, um, you know, for Major League Baseball to go from the you know the first week of the season having numerous cancellations and breakouts and this and that and then to finally get it contained and uh, and and make that season play out and and for the NFL and college football I mean college football has been a very strange season um you know teams playing only six games five games four games um and and whatnot but the fact that we we've made it to you know we're just days away from the college football playoff semifinals which we'll talk about in, in a few minutes but the fact that that, that these leagues and, and sports made it happen and I get that um, you know, there's a financial uh, uh, aspect to making sure for these leagues and stuff to make sure that that they happen. But but they did it, and and uh, you know, for the most part, it seems like they, that even the people that that you know did contract the virus, it, it was it was relatively um, you know they they've recovered from it. You know, and that, that, that's not a uh, you know a signal for people to go out and be be reckless about things. But they were able to. Uh, recover. So I think it's just just the fact that that sports survived and gave people a a uh, you know a, a place to distract themselves uh, f- for a few hours of time. I mean, I even go back to uh, the, the the those the the golf challenges. You know, the one with uh, Peyton Manning and Tiger Woods and Tom Brady and uh, Phil Mickelson. I mean, we like you know, I, obviously I'm a big golfer, but you know my wife, she's not a big golfer, and, and we sat and we watched that you know, for hours because it was entertaining and it was something different. It was something to distract. And, and, and that, um, throughout this whole time, I think is something to, uh, that is, that is of value. Well, yeah. And I, and I think that's, you know, when you look back is going to be the biggest memory, uh, of the year in sports. And, and it's kind of, we talked about, you know, some of the, the disappointment with the March madness and obviously, uh, you know, things getting changed and moved, like you said, um, but but the most positive thing was uh, kind of like you know sports finding a way and 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 working working around like you said all those um, roadblocks and hurdles and uh, just finding a way to you know just just play ball you know just get out right. there and and um, you know in one form or another it's going to look different it's going to sound different it's going to be different uh, and then but you got a chance to to get fans involved and and I think you saw all leagues getting creative with like NBA's uh, fan video walls. Uh, and and with um, you know, like you said, the full lockdown um, in in Canada for the NHL with uh, the beautiful setup that those two cities had, uh, and even Major League Baseball getting in on it and really closing uh, closing down as much as they could, and, and, and leagues had their scares, and um, you know they found a way to forge through, and and, and I don't know what that looks like going forward uh, as we're looking at um, uh, vaccines and things like that, and and what the timing is going to be, and who's getting what, and uh, but. Uh, we'll see. Uh, but at this point, we've been able to play. And, and because of that, you were able to see some other ones like um, Tampa Bay and, and, and the Lightning getting over a hump they've been fighting at for several years, uh, getting LeBron James another title, another step closer to his uh, claim to, to whatever rank you want to give him in NBA history and, 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 and all the glory that kind of rains down with him. Um, and, um, you know, we just uh, we just saw some real good. We saw the Dodgers get uh, get over their hump too, yeah. and, and and get one uh, for the first time in a long time, and uh, I, I just I, I think that that's that's a huge uh, win for the world of sports. Uh, you know, I hope things are going well for them. 
um, and um, and sports in general, and, and hopefully some of the college athletes and, and the ones that are hoping to get to that rung, um, that this this gap isn't isn't too long because that that would be the big fear for me is could you is it, is there going to be a weird gap here where like collegiate athletes aren't playing or you know we're not getting an accurate read on like you know jumping to the next level um, maybe there's no drafts uh, at some point you know you just uh, you just got to hope that it's kind of a one year or two year and done and and, and we we all move forward but um, but yeah there were some somber memories there were some good memories. Um, but I think all around sports fans uh, will definitely remember this year and um, hopefully it uh, worked out for, for, for most of us and, and those that didn't get to see what they wanted to see and didn't get to experience what they wanted to experience. Uh, maybe we can all get to see it in person uh, real soon as we, as we move forward. Yeah, definitely. And, and, you know, and, and I think another thing too is, is I've seen some people try and, and put like, say that, uh, you know that the, the, the these seasons championships have an asterisk. It's not a real season anyway. Like, no, I, I think we've covered that before. But like, I hammer at home that like, if anything, you know, the 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 the, the leagues that went into bubbles and stuff like that. I think that was was in in some ways harder than a normal year because you're away from your family. You're you're isolated. You're you know, it is a completely different environment that you've ever been. Yeah, you don't have the travel, but you know, it's it's. It's a completely different situation than ever before, and and even with with like college football now, like you know, because I've seen you'll say, well, if Ohio State wins and wins a national, I mean, if Ohio State wins a national title, they're going to beat Clemson and Alabama or Notre Dame. Yeah, um, but like the, the, you know, whether or not they they didn't play enough games, you know, that that's an argument that we've already had. But like they're they're going to prove themselves in the next two games if they were to win the if they're to go on and win the national championship. So. Um, because I don't think people doubted that Ohio State was good. I think they just were mad, myself included, about the fact that that they kind of, uh, you know, got an easy pass, so to speak, uh, into the college football playoff. But we've been there. But yeah, they, these teams, these leagues, these players, um, they they absolutely deserve. There's no asterisk on these seasons. The only people that are putting asterisks on seasons are the people whose teams didn't win. Right, or sour about it. You know, you know and I think college anyway. football, to me, college football may be the closest to one in my in my heart of hearts just because of the different conferences jumping in at different times. It wasn't the same jumping off point for everyone. Sure. It wasn't the same experience for every conference, every player, every coach. Um, and the fact that some some, you know, schools and things like that are, you know, making changes in personnel based on um, you know, kind of a, a, a placing of where teams go, then I think it kind of comes into importance who gets placed where and who goes to what point. Now, do I think a team, you know, somewhere from six to 10 that maybe didn't get that last playoff spot um, that I still think doesn't belong to Ohio State in my heart of hearts, but, um, you know, it is what it is. It, it, I don't think any of them are looking at, at unloading anyone, but, um but yeah, it just kind of was a strange season for college football and, and a lot of kids and a lot of programs not playing. And I don't know, it just uh, it, it felt closer to me. Now, maybe by the time the playoff shakes out, uh, any of those little almost asterisk feelings I have are gone. But um, you're still going to have the playoff. You're still going to find, you know, maybe Clemson, Alabama tear through everybody. And it's just the two of them and one of them wins. And we're like, OK, yeah, we were right, right from the beginning. We were, we were spot on. <laughs> You know, and and maybe one of the other teams, or maybe both of those teams, losing the first round, and then you go, hey, wait a minute, I guess they didn't mess up after all. You don't know. 
you just don't know till the game's played. And, and yeah. um, I mean, those kids have still been through a lot. Of, I mean, Ohio State, you can talk about the less games, and I'm going to I'm going to kind of mock their season, uh, and I have. Uh, but you know, truth be told, they almost got a eliminated from a Big Ten championship or Big Twelve rather. No, it's Big Ten, just too many teams. I'm talking all kinds yeah, there's, of stuff. there's 12 in the but Big Ten. But. It gets confusing. There's a Big 12 with variable teams. There's a Big Ten with 12 teams. There's a Pac-12 that used to be 10. It's it's, it's madness to me. I think uh, but, Pac-12 has 14 teams now. Yeah, it's just madness. <laughs> you know, that's just – they just need to call it Pacific. Right, Big. it's the Pacific Conference. Yeah, let's just rename the Big Ten and the Big, the Big 12. Big Ten should be the Midwest Conference, because let's be yeah. honest. It's the Midwest yeah. Conference. Great Lakes Conference. You know, I mean, I know they have Maryland and Rutgers, but they don't count anyway. No, they don't really count <laughs> unless they're beating, unless they're beating Penn State, um, oh, yeah, and then, then it's fine. But, um, but yeah, those players almost missed it because, and it wasn't even their team. Like Ohio State didn't have uh, enough cases to cancel any games at any point. Really, uh, they had their cases, they locked them down, uh, but it it wasn't any more than any of these other schools that are that are seeing it. Uh, they were losing, getting games canceled from other other programs. So uh, right. those kids almost saw it slip through their fingers. So you can't hold them account- the kids accountable. And, and I mean, to be honest, you can't hold the coaches accountable either. It was all at the Big Ten level, and um, it was a it was a, con- a conference choice. So as an asterisk, it's kind of more on the whole picture. The asterisk on the season, in my mind, if there is one, isn't so much with Ohio State as it is with uh, kind of the inability to get everything started. Uh, from the same springboard, but um, but it was a long season. It was an exciting season, so I'll probably give him a pass and pull my asterisk and just kind of hold it in my pocket. Yeah, and I mean, we'll we'll predict the games here in a little bit, but I, I don't I don't think it's going to matter. I think uh, I think that I feel like the the national championship game is a fairly fairly obvious one, and I don't think it involves Ohio State and their asterisk anyway. Um, but before we we predict the games, Sean. Like I, I, I'm sitting here and I, and I was watching. Um, ESPN was airing some of their uh, documentaries from the the, the 150th season uh, last year, and uh, one of them was about like the the national championship and the BCS and the creation of the college football playoff and and you know how it's changed from you know a unanimous national champion back in like the 50s and 60s, and then it became the AP championship. And then, you know, in the 90s, you, you saw a few instances of a, uh, a split and a co-national champion because uh, the one year it was Michigan ha- had to go to the Rose Bowl because at that time, the Big Ten champion had to go to the Rose Bowl. Tom Osborne announced he's retiring from Nebraska, and uh, they gave the, the, the coaches voted for Nebraska as the, the, the coaches national champion. You had a split national champion there. I think you had another one um, during the BCS era. You know, and now, you know, we're in we're in what the eighth, ninth year of the of the college football playoff, and um, for the most part, it's 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 been it's been the same been the same dogs. It's been Alabama's always there, Clemson's been there the last few years, Ohio State's been in a majority of them. Uh, you get your occasional LSU, Notre Dame's now been in two, Oklahoma's been in it, Oregon was in one of them, um, but we're we're seeing we're already seeing repetition in the first decade and like is it is it just a product of of the the state of college football that that those couple of teams are are always at the top and until Dabo's not at Clemson and Saban's not at Alabama and Ohio State stops running their factory like is it just 
Is it just a fight for the other spot? Or is there is there a way that 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 the system can be quote unquote fixed? And I think you know we've talked about the the prospect of a potential eight team playoff. And and to me, I, I said it when they first announced that they were moving to a four team playoff. I'm like, well, you have five power conference. I wasn't taking into account the UCS of the bunch. I wasn't even thinking about it from a Notre Dame aspect because I figure Notre Dame goes undefeated. There's probably a pretty damn good chance they're going to be one of the top four. But I'm like, you have five power conferences, and I don't think there should be automatic bids. But to me, it already seems flawed if, if the best team probably eight, 80% of the time from every conference doesn't have a shot at the national championship. To well, me, yeah, because you figure, let's just say hypothetically that none of those conferences cross-schedule each other. Like hypothetically, you're in a season where they all play outside, but they play like lesser, you know, and Ian and – and let's say that all five have an undefeated team, you know, and it's like, now what? You know, you've all now you're just weighing schedules against schedules, and you're, you know, and is and that I going to happen? Probably Pac-12 never. Always going to lose out, right? Because because most Pac-12 games are played when people are in bed. <laughs> yeah, well, that doesn't help them. But I think as as a committee, uh, I don't know that they necessarily take that into account. But I, you know, it would always be an argument of like if it was the the five, the argument would be, well, are we getting rid of Oklahoma or are we getting rid of Oregon? Like it's going to be like one of those two schools because they want to put the best product out there. And unless somehow those two conferences start turning it around and showing us a defensive product on, you know, and we've been making fun of that for years, but all of a sudden you have an SEC where teams are scoring 40, 50, 60 points a game. Right. It's not a defensive conference. It's an air it out, shoot it. Who has the ball last kind of conference. As long as you have two comparable programs, the issue in the SEC now, um, you know, and when we're, we're, I'm just kind of bouncing through the, the, the programs here, but one of the issues I said for a long time, and it, and it ties right into the same teams being at the top every year, is I said for the SEC for a long time, and I know I've talked to you about it, is because for the most part the SEC was scheduling their out-of-conference games for a long time against weaker programs or trying to fill the schedule because they don't have to schedule a hard game because everybody assumes – that the SEC is the same SEC it's always been, and they right. have these powerful teams. And so as long as you get through it unscathed or with one loss, you're probably going to be there. And the issue with that is if the only real programs they're playing are each other, how would you ever possibly recognize if that product falls? Right. right. If for some reason as an entire conference, the skill level drops just a bit, like down to that upper middle tier or, 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 you know, low high tier, you know, the same programs, you know, on par with like a Michigan or this, you know, Indiana would kind of fill the Michigan void that we usually see. Or, you know, the Oregon, you know, out west where like, you know, maybe they're a one loss team. If everybody in that conference fell to that level and Alabama was still the best one, maybe they're just as good as before. But you're just assuming like, well, they beat LSU and Auburn and Georgia, so they have to. I mean, that's a great schedule. But if all those teams did was play each other, slap each other around, and you know one of them comes out without a loss, you would never know if 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 you know most yeah, of the and, teams. And had, I mean, we kind of we kind of seen that this year because of the way mm-hmm. uh, you know that 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 COVID's played out. Because yeah. and you know, I'd you, like to be clear, I'm not saying for sure that my take is that the SEC has fallen in some sort of, in my opinion, have they fallen a little bit? A lot of these big programs, sure. Are there other ones taking their place? 
Maybe. Uh, I, I haven't seen a, a large enough slice to, to guarantee that that's happening. But but it is interesting to think that if you're just holding these higher teams, the Alabamas, the Ohio States, the Clemsons, and you're just saying like, well, somebody beat them and prove us that they don't belong there. Uh, you, you're kind of running into the a similar thing where you're like, well, are you really playing anyone? You know, like, like let's look at your conferences. Maybe we're wrong here. You know, there's no, there's no analysis of, are you the same team you were the last time we had you here? It's just like, well, they're still winning. Must be, must still be going well. Um, you know, you just never know. You, you're not like, I feel like for some of those teams, they're not really getting the same critical analysis that some other programs are getting. Are they still undefeated and probably belong there? Probably. But um, but I feel like no one's really breaking down Alabama or Clemson's schedule going, hmm, like, you know, because people are tearing Notre Dame out saying they don't well, belong. That's one of my issues, too, is, you know, people yeah. people wanted to rip Notre Dame and rip, rip their schedule apart this year. Um, and I wanted to be like the same conference as Clemson. Right. It was the same. And, and, and that's the thing, too, is like, you know, over the Dame last few years, less loss. You know, last couple of years, Notre Dame's played five ACC games. Everybody wants to talk about how poor their schedule is. I'm like, well, they're they're playing they're playing five teams out of a conference. You want them to play conference play? They, they they've been they've been doing it to a degree, but then they also play USC, who's one of usually the better teams out of the Pac-12. You play a Navy team that for year for the last few years has been pretty damn good. Like they're they're not going. They've never scheduled a one double A opponent. You know. That's something that literally only them and UCLA have never played a one double A opponent in in their program's history. So like they're they're not scheduling you know that 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 big of a cupcake. But you know, and then you look at uh, and now this year th- that was the funniest part about this year. They finally get into a conference. Everybody's like, well, well, their their schedule is weak. I'm like, so then what has Clemson's excuse been? And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying Clemson's not a good football team. Obviously, they're a great football team. Alabama's a great football team, but like. To me, when, when I when I look at this, the college football playoff system, like, and 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 don't get me wrong, most years, you know, number one's probably going to beat number eight, number two's probably going to beat number seven, but th- there's there's plenty of seasons where the team that's number eight or number seven is only there because they were they were number one early and they slipped up, you know, and and they played, you know, it, it was number one Georgia versus you know number three Alabama and. Alabama beat them or, you know, or something like that. And, you know, you fall to six or seven and you can never just get out of that hole because, because teams above them have a chance to win. So why not give that number six, number seven team that only lost to the number two team in the country and another opportunity. Right. Given, give a team like A&M that didn't get a conference championship to, to right. boost a resume that like maybe wants to prove that they belong there, like put them in there. But I believe, I mean, we touched on it the other week. I'm not going to go too far, but, I think you're also going to see like people that want to see the Cincinnati's and the whatever. I said, you know, I was talking about how the the committee has them where they have them uh, to say like, hey, we recognize you, but we don't really think you'd win. Yeah, the, the, you know? and, and I said, like, if they go to eight teams, there's a good chance you're going to see those shit. Like people are like, yeah, get it to eight, so those teams have a chance. And I really think you're going to kind of see a shift where all of a sudden that six, seven, cute spot for those like fun teams is now going to be like nine or ten. Uh, and I, and I, and it's just a take that I have and, and maybe it proves me wrong if they do ever expand it. Uh, but, but I just see, you know, they're still going to want to create what they feel are legitimate games. And maybe that type of team is what that eight seed is for. 
and you say we want to give that semi Cinderella team a chance to beat an Alabama or a Clemson or whoever's sitting on top. Um, and I think that's probably what you should do. Um, yeah. But they may still be like, yeah, but that um, that second uh, uh, SEC team or you know that second Big Ten team that only has one loss would be really interesting to match up against a one. Well, you just what, what you need to happen is is the other year UCF they beat Auburn in their bowl game. You know, this week, and, and we're going to predict the games here in a second, but you have Cincinnati taking on Georgia. You need, if, if you want the playoff to expand, you need Cincinnati to win that game or at least be competitive. Because if they're not, every time that, that a UCF, a Cincinnati, a Tulsa, um, you know, a Boise State, and any, you, you know, not a Utah, they're in the Pac 12 now, but anytime those, those group of five teams, have an opportunity to play a, a top ten opponent. If they get if they get whitewashed, all, you know if they get destroyed, that hurts all of those arguments. And right. not even well, well, I just had an interesting idea, and I'm I'm, I'm going to have to send it to my friends at the NCAA headquarters. Um, <laughs> we're real, real tight listening anyway. Yeah, we're real, I mean, they're probably on on the wire here, uh, on the line, just uh, listening on the line. I hear this goes out on the line. Um, <laughs> But we um, – so you take those smaller conferences. Like you have your Power Five. You take the four that always feel slighted, your UCFs, your Cincinnati's, your whoever. How many conferences do you think that is? Four? Are there four conferences that, that never have a – Power Five and Group of Five. So I think it's five. I think it's the okay. other five. Um, I don't know how you do it with five. Let's pretend it was four just to get my opinion out there. And then sure. later in another show, we'll work out the logistics on it. But where essentially, if you win your conference, instead of simply going to a conference game, whatever, you, there's already a gap between your your playoff anyway. Just make another week. You know, you have your eight teams, but only the top six are locked in. And your last two spots are play-in games for those other conferences where they may have to do a little mini two-round tournament or something like that. Maybe you only pick two. Maybe you go like, uh, seven through ten, whoever they are, do a four-team play-in to be, be seven and eight, um, something like that. It buys you an extra couple games of football. It buys you nine and ten an opportunity to be there. And ten's a nice round number. Finds you a way to get past that, uh, you know, elite eight, kind of get a play-in game because they did it to college basketball. They added 60 with up to yeah, like 68 teams. Yeah. You know, uh, nobody even notices that there's more teams. They're like, this is great. Yeah, it's Not just, like it's take just hard work on yeah. Wednesday afternoon too, you know. Um, but it um, might be an interesting play. Uh, kind of get make sure that somebody from those conferences, as long as they're over five hundred, as long as you know, and maybe they have to be ranked. I don't know what the cutoff is there, um, but whether it's a conference play in to guarantee those conferences a chance, maybe it's a play in to get one spot, and you don't know which spot it is, but you will be guaranteed a spot in the final playoff. If like you win that bracket, uh, you know, and it kind of give those smaller conferences a chance to play through, and you know, maybe it's the five plus one, like a like an honorable team kind of gets yeah. in as a six team, and you know, I don't know what the logistics are of playing that many extra games, but I know that uh, Vegas would love it, and um, I don't know, just an idea. Yeah, Throw it out I'm, there. Not, I'm not just advocating, I'm not just advocating a change because I'd like to see a team like Notre Dame have an opportunity to play. Texas A&M before they have to play Clemson or Alabama again. I'm just saying 
uh, eight teams gives, I think, more. I, I, I think it gives everybody more of an opportunity because, like I said, it, there shouldn't be an automatic bid because you will have those years where the, you know, ACC champion is the 14th team in the country. They shouldn't be playing for a play. But more times than not, your your conference champion will be in the top eight for all five powers, five schools. Then you'll get some at-larges, your Notre Dames, you know, your your Texas A&Ms this year. And then you're also going to have your, your Cincinnati or your UCF, you know, when when they go through a season unscathed. So I think whatever it is, I think the expansion's good. And and I think, you know, if we're talking about is there an issue with those schools being up there? I don't know. I, th- I think it's like a red flag. I think it's definitely something to look at. But you could also break down all the history of the bowl games before it was a title game. When you look at, you know, the big four bowls, Rose Bowl, Sugar Bowl, Orange Bowl, uh, Fiesta Bowl, and look at, um, you know, over the course of any given 10-year span – uh, I'd be willing to bet if you looked at those four games that um, probably like four to five of the eight are very similar uh, for most of the years. So I, I don't know that it's necessarily a trend now. I think it is a trend in college football to believe that if a team won the year before, whether their program was dismantled or not, it's kind of this belief in like a coach or a program uh, to just automatically have a good product. Um, and then that one year that they don't and they get teetered out of there, uh, and fall off the face of the planet. Uh, like the usually the time for, but that's usually when the coach starts working his way out and, and moving on, you know, whether it was, you know, Carol falling out and then, and then going um, miraculously right before the NCAA showed up with an investigation. Um, it's strange, right? Um, but you, you saw it with Bobby Bowden, you saw it, it happens, you know, the coaches are about to go on their way out and whether or not they're letting players know that, or you're not recruiting as hard because of it. You know, things topple a little before you go, uh, and um, and you wind up kind of not there. So, you know, until you until you break that rock, you know, I don't see any reason. I mean, Alabama hasn't shown me any reason why they don't belong up there every year. So uh, at this point, you know, we'll just kind of ride with it. But but yeah, it's definitely a red flag, and and um, you know, I think if you expand it, maybe that red flag breaks itself open a little bit. Yeah, possibly. All right, uh, Sean, I have the uh, of course college football playoff. Uh, semifinals this weekend. I have some other games um, on the uh, on the agenda uh, to predict tonight. Uh, last week I went two and two for thirty three and twenty five overall in college football. You went three and one for a thirty six and twenty two uh, overall. So you gained a, another game back on me. Uh, but we're going to start uh, with the Cotton Bowl. This one uh, is actually tomorrow night, eight o'clock on ESPN. You have number seven uh, Florida. Still ridiculous that they are number seven. Um, you know, after, after the, the losing the, the last two weeks of the year, uh, but they're number seven, uh, at eight and three, uh, taking on number six, Oklahoma, who is eight and two, a three point favorite over under on this one is 70 again, tomorrow night at, uh, at eight o'clock. Who are um, you showing as the favorite Oklahoma? Uh, I'm showing Oklahoma is a three point right. favorite. Yeah. I'm showing that it opened with Florida as a three point favorite and it has oh, wow. shifted, uh, six points to a three point Oklahoma. Wow. Spread. That's so that, that's a pretty big shift. Over under has also dropped. Wow. Speaking of big shift, I ate tacos yesterday. What do you have your over under at? I was I was uh, seventy. See, I have it uh, currently at sixty eight and a half after opening at seventy two. So you're seeing two big swings there. Yeah. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure why people are they're moving it like that. They're wanting the over bet. So that's a little strange. But anyway, yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I, I have I have Florida. I, I still have Florida winning this game. I mean, I know Oklahoma is playing 
um, some of the best football uh, in the country here in the last few weeks of the season. But I, I still don't totally buy into it. Like, I don't think the Big 12 is very strong. Of course, they only played in the Big 12. They had their hiccups early. I think Florida is better than their loss to LSU. I mean, it came down to a guy throwing his shoe, um, you know, to, to basically give LSU a victory. Um, dumb mistake probably cost him a, a, a potential number four spot um, in the college football playoffs, especially with as close as they made that game with Alabama. Um but uh, I think Florida's the better team here. I think they're going to cover the three. I think they're going to win. And I, I, without a doubt, I'm going over. Um, you know, these teams both score a lot of points. Uh, and I have no reason to think why they wouldn't do it in this one. Well, I am drinking uh, Swamphead Breweries, uh, Big Nose <laughs> IPA, Swamphead Brewery in Gainesville, Florida. Um, you know, and as much as that would lead you to think I was about to agree with you, it was it was a red herring because I'm going the exact opposite way. Wrong. Uh, you're, look, wrong. you're looking at a Florida team um, who's going to be playing without some key players, including uh, four wide receivers. Uh, I think that the game with Alabama, a lot of that was a scramble to try and, and, and work their way in. I think some of that was some kinks in Alabama's uh, game plan that, um, you know, hopefully they have another one of those kinks uh, this weekend. Um, doesn't help us that they had one. Uh, but anyway, um, <laughs> I like the way Oklahoma has been finishing up the year. I think it's a, it's a totally different team than they started the year with. Um, and, it, and it, normally if it was against an SEC team, I'd be all about it and say, you know, like, uh, defense wins championships, defense wins bowl games. The difference is, is that I don't think Florida has a defense much better than that of, uh, of Oklahoma. And, and I think that, um, Oklahoma's defense actually, uh, over these last uh, you know four or five games, has looked better than I thought they could ever play. Uh, and because of that, and because um, kind of just the way I'm seeing things swing here, I think uh, I'm going to ride the trend here uh, in Vegas. I'm going to take the Oklahoma Sooners. Um, uh, and with our current one, I guess, to cover three points, I'm going to take them to, to win by uh, more than three. Uh, I'm also going to take uh, that over. I'm not sure why it's moving down. That has me scared a little bit. But, uh, but give me the over in this one. I think this is all offense and uh, – a chance for uh, Florida to, to try to make a claim for a Heisman winner. All right, very good. Then we go to the Peach Bowl. This one kicks off uh, quite a day in college football, New Year's Day 2021. Uh, number nine, Georgia. They're, uh, they're seven and two, seven point favorite against number eight, Cincinnati, who is nine and oh. Uh, 50 and a half is your over under this one, noon on ESPN. Um, I, I originally, Sean, I originally had Georgia written down. Um, but I'm actually, I'm changing, I'm changing my pick here. Uh, I think Cincinnati's going to cover. Uh, I also don't get me wrong. I think they can pull this upset because if there's a team in college football that loves to lose in big game situations, there may be no, no one greater than the Georgia Bulldogs. Um, I think they win this game, but I think it's, it's, it's by some late game heroics or maybe a late game mistake by Cincinnati. Um, but I, I definitely, I, I definitely like Cincinnati to cover here. Uh, and as far as over under, I'm probably still going to go over. Like, I feel like, you know, the, the Georgia's in a, in a conference that loves to score points and, and we've seen Cincinnati, the AAC, they love to do that too. So I have no reason to believe, uh, that, that we're going to see a containment under 50 points. All right. So you got, um, over and Cincinnati. Bearcat. Yes, sir. Um, and you have that spread at seven? Seven for Jordan. Right. Yep. 
Uh, well, I'm I'm gonna have to disagree with you on a second one. Uh, I've already bet on one team that that is a, in my opinion, a different team than the start of the year. Uh, and um, for me, uh, Georgia is the exact same thing. Um, Georgia over the last three games since uh, switching quarterbacks, um, JT Daniels uh, seems to be quite a difference maker. Now their schedule hasn't been incredibly strong, and they've only played three games since the start of November. Uh, due to postponements and such, uh, but they've won those games very handedly. Uh, unlike the beginning of the year, they're scoring a ton of points. They're averaging uh, upwards of 42 to 44 points a game uh, in that span, um, and and they're doing it against teams that are kind of middle of the road SEC teams. Uh, but that's what's on their schedule, and and I I don't know that I've seen anything. I'm not trying to take anything away from Cincinnati's done, and and I don't know a lot about how good they are. I feel it's one of those situations where I don't know who they've played. Uh, and they finally met somebody in Tulsa. And I believe I hit that game. Tulsa did cover that spread um, because Tulsa was really their first challenge in a long time. And and it was challenging for them. And, and I think if you play uh, that poorly against a Tulsa team, I, I don't see any reason why um, you're going to show up now with it being a one game. I think there's definitely a chance Cincinnati shows up. Maybe there's some trickery. Maybe there's, uh, just more energy, uh, and they do find a way to win or cover. I just, right now, looking at everything on, on a piece of paper and a scoreboard, I, I don't see it happening. I think Georgia's going to cover that seven points, and I think it's uh, it's going to be a lot of points scored, like you said. Uh, I, I think it's going to go over. All right, then we go to 4 o'clock on Friday on ESPN. It is the Rose Bowl game from the AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. Uh, uh, which first, off, first off, how much is it of a bummer that we finally get to see our Fighting Irish in a Rose Bowl, and it's not even at the Rose Bowl, which is probably one of the coolest atmospheres uh, for college football. I mean, obviously there wouldn't be fans, but you still get the uh, the great camera shots, and of course it's at the site where uh, the only other time their name has been in the college football playoff, uh, where I think Clemson that Clemson team actually just scored again. Yeah, um, on the fighting on the ridge from, from 2018. Uh, but it's our number four, uh, Notre Dame, uh, 10 and one, taking on number one Alabama there, of course, 11 and 0. Um, oh, come on, where is it? I love it! 11 and 0. Um, and they are a uh, 20 and a half point favorite, uh, in this one. Um, ugh, dude, like. I think I was I, we went for a walk today because it was a uh, it was a balmy uh, wind chill of 28 degrees here in central Pennsylvania today. But the sun was out. So we decided to go for uh, a breezy walk today at lunchtime. And uh, I, I, I had I had noticed that the line had shifted because originally it was 17 and then now it's at 20 and a half. And I was like, I, I just I just want it to be close. <laughs> Like I just like I don't expect to win. I really don't. Um, would it be great if they did? Absolutely, but I don't expect it in any way, shape, or form. Um, do I think Notre Dame is capable if they do all the things right? Absolutely, I, I do because I think this Notre Dame team is probably the best one, um, probably since that 1993 team when that, that beat Florida State. Um, but but the problem is you have to be you have to be perfect. I think I sent you and Dad uh, this stat that Alabama is scoring 0.7 points per play. Like I have not seen that stat. I missed that one. Yeah, point 
seven points per play. It is the third highest of all time. I think it was uh, the Auburn, uh, the Auburn team with a with Cam Newton, and uh, the Jameis Winston Florida State team had more. But like, what that tells you is if you if you're not good at averages, is that Alabama scores so quickly that they don't have to run a lot of plays. Um, but they they've also had games where they've they run a lot of times. So like they just they score a lot. So what what happens is you know Notre Dame I'm sure is going into this, and we're not going to spend obviously as much analysis on on every game. This no is no Irish, but like if you're Notre Dame, I think your game plan here is similar to what the original game plan is uh, was against Clemson: is control the clock, keep their offense off the field. But when you do that, you have to score touchdowns pretty much every time. And what we saw in Notre Dame Clemson, they keep them off the field, and then they come on the field and score in four plays, and you're like, yeah. "Wow!" So, like, what what happened That's in Notre, Notre Dame? What happened yeah. in Notre Dame Clemson is Notre Dame opening drive looked well, resulted in a field goal. You get Clemson to turn the ball over, which they don't do a lot. You go down and you miss the field goal, and Clemson goes great. You know, so they they come out and they scored in I think it was four plays. And then Notre Dame went three and out, and then Clemson scored in like three plays. Halfway through the second quarter, Notre Dame, like Clemson only had the ball for like three and a half minutes, and it was 21 to three or something. So, like, if, if you're gonna if you're gonna go with that game plan, you gotta score. But the bottom line, Notre Dame has to score points. And I just don't know if Notre Dame can score enough to to beat Alabama. I think Notre Dame's defense is going to make plays. They, they they are going to force maybe more stops than Alabama's faced all year. But I don't know that Notre Dame's offense, and especially it's it's that it's that offensive line versus Alabama's pass rush. I don't know if Notre Dame's offensive line, because they're a little bit banged up, is going to be good enough to give Ian Book the time to even have an opportunity to make the plays that he has to not be bad Ian Book either. So to me. I, I just I don't see it happening, and maybe maybe this is just my last bit of pessimism in 2020. But I have Alabama winning and covering the 20 and a half. I think this is going to be boat race central. I, I I just and and maybe it's just lingering effects of the ACC title. I don't have any good feelings whatsoever about this game. I just want it to be close. If Notre Dame can get keep it under two touchdowns, I think people go okay. Notre Dame deserved to be there. Alabama is just better. You, I just, you, I, you don't want the result that I'm thinking is going to happen. <laughs> no, you don't. In the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter. I mean, Notre Dame's been blown no. out in these games before, but when they, you know, when it comes down to resumes and strength of schedules and who they schedule, this was a weird year um, where you had to play a conference schedule, but you still had a top five team on that schedule and a couple other ranked ones, so it worked out. Uh, but with Notre Dame's usual schedule and a typical thing, how much they lose in, in uh, Friday's game has no bearing on what will happen in the future. Uh, sure, but if you want some positivity as far as this game goes, I'll see if I can give you any. Um, I'm not going to be any doing anything crazy like uh, lock this like I did the uh, ACC title game and all those kind of things. Um, but what I will do is let you know that I, I think for one thing, you're, you're talking about the defense, and, and um, I think Notre Dame's defense is, is arguably uh, the best defense Alabama uh, will see this year. Uh, at least to this point, uh, I, I think as, as far as SEC teams go, teams that usually have great defenses uh, haven't shown me that. 
you know, normally like Alabama will run into your LSUs and your Auburns and these other schools that whether or not they, they beat Alabama or, or, you know, they at least slow them down enough uh, to, to find a way to make it a, a dogfight. And, and I, I'm hoping that's what happens for Notre Dame. Now, like you said, you need Ian Book to play well. You need Ian Book to, to uh, be able to control the clock. And one thing you got to do is we talked about running up the middle against Clemson. You're going to run into the same problem against Alabama. If you want to try to hang on to the ball, if you want to try to beat that defensive front, if you want to try to give your offensive line help, it's going to be screen passes, options, pitches, things to get things out into space on the outside of the field. Doesn't mean it's going to work every time, but if it fails on the first two, don't assume that it's going to – like keep trying to be creative, um, you know, and I'm hoping that some of the stuff that they held back in that Clemson game, uh, I think you're looking at a fairly similar defense, uh, you know, in, in most facets, so some of those could still work. Um, so it's going to be up to the defense. You have one of the best de- – uh, the best one of the best linebackers in football, um, and and I, I think the defense is going to give Alabama some trouble. Now, if that can result in a couple of turnovers, um, I think special teams has got to be big. Um, I, I think you got to be looking at a lot of scenarios where where you're not planning on doing a lot of returns. You're trying to get to that football on any punt that they have to do. If they only punt twice, I want somebody breathing down that right. punt. You want to try blocking that punt. You want to try to make the big play, not hope for a big return. Um, so hopefully that that kind of happens. Maybe you force some field goals, uh, which Alabama's not typically used to having to do. Um, and maybe you can get in there and block some block some kicks. Notre Dame's had some success in the uh, defensive kicking game, at least uh, forcing some kicks to be missed. So, you know, it's going to take some magic, I think, to, to, to win this game. But I also don't think it takes that much magic to see a way that they cover this spread. So I'm going to take the Irish to cover the uh, 20 and a half. It's actually, you have a higher number uh, than I was showing at my 18 and a half or 19, whatever I got shown here. It's kind of come down a little bit. Right. Um, but I've seen it as high as 21. I've seen it as low as 17. So it's, it's moving around in there. Uh, truth be told, it's probably a pretty good spread from a betting standpoint because it means that every time it hits the low 20s, People start betting underneath, and then they start pushing it back. Yeah, and uh, I, think, I think it's probably, you know, just – now this is also like big, you know, big money betting. I mean, this is uh, you know college football playoff. You know, your your heavy money betters. You know, one, two, or three guys with a ton of money can swing yeah, it's, that. It's going to move it. It's going to move it quick. Um, as far as sixty six, I, I think for what I'm saying to happen, um, it's hard to believe that it's under sixty six. But I'm going to take the under mostly because we don't keep track of it. Uh, so I'm going to take the under there and hope that somehow for Notre Dame to have that chance of winning, um, um, that it's going to need to stay low. Uh, and that, that gives you a chance for some big plays to help. So uh, here's hoping we got a game plan. I think Ian, my, my, my sunshine for Ian Book is you had your bad game last week. Let's hope you, you know what I mean? Like, let's not even hope. Let's understand that you have a bad game. It doesn't have to carry yeah, into I, I think that, that that's part and of it, too. Is that, that it's the worst game Notre Dame's played all year. One thing I noticed is, like, in football, and it's kind of baffling to me, like, and I'm not saying no one ever pulls their quarterback, but in hockey, when a goalie gets, gets shelled for four goals, I don't care if it's Patrick Waugh, it's Dominic Kostic, who it is, as long as it's not, like, a big playoff game, some, like, they pull them. They're like, hey, look, you know what? Clear your sure. head. Do what you got to do. Maybe they're having a good offensive day. We'll let somebody else get shelled for a while. Like, clear your head. Come back tomorrow. I, I don't think 
teams do that enough in football where it's like, look, man, it's not your day. Like, it, I'm not saying it doesn't happen. It still happens a good bit, but not near as much as goalies and high. Like, I feel I mean, like there's a lot of with the Dolphins right now. Yeah, just like, you know, and I, I think some of it's just like you want your quarterback to have confidence in himself, but you need to kind of create a culture where it's like, look, if I pull you, it doesn't mean you just beginning. It doesn't mean that I hate you or that I think you're not good. It just means that for that day, they got you figured out. We got to move on. You know, you don't got to bounce back and forth all the time. You always have your starter, but just be very well, aware. Notre Dame did that in uh, 2012 between yeah. uh, Golson and Reed. But I, I think also part of that, too, is if you have a quarterback ready to go. In Notre Dame's case, they didn't have anybody yeah. this year. Yeah. You know, they, they have guys that took a combined yeah. three. Quarterbacks are a funny breed. I think in hockey, it's just the culture of the game. And like goalies know, quarterbacks are – you know, a lot of times they have a very soft skin uh, for that kind of thing. And, you know, you're seeing it with my fellas in Philadelphia, like uh, who, who's saying who to what and who believes in who and who wants to go where. And it's just kind of this whole like, you know, man, like it, it's my job to win games and, and like you weren't doing it. You know, so, uh, you know, it's it's like, you know, I just think like from a one game perspective, like, hey, get out of there. For, even if it's like a series, like just. Sit down for a second, man. Get your head to get, and then maybe yeah, that's the right. ticket. Like, get them back in there after like a series. Like, it's a three and out. It's a touchdown. Doesn't matter. Get them back in there. See what happens. But, but yeah, I think I think Ian Book um, has shown me this year he's different than years past, at least to an extent. And I'm and I'm hoping that what I saw in that first Clemson game uh, is the Ian Book you see. A determined. Uh, the good news is, um, and I say it every time that we're an underdog, and anybody's an underdog. Um, Sometimes it's a very strong motivator. Other times it's a gift to have nobody believe in you to win a game. Well, yeah. And I mean, like you can't like let anyone first, down. First like, Notre Dame Clemson game, nobody thought they could win. Yeah. And they, they went out and proved they could. And, and you know, the wheels fell off. In, in the second seven. one, you knew they were coming. Uh, it was a little bit different mentality. I, I, think, I think in this type of game, when you're going against a monster like Alabama, it's just kind of like – you know, like the, you're not going to disappoint anybody. I, I feel like that's a huge uh, advantage. Um, yeah, you know, like if Notre Dame boat race, I expect kids. It. Yeah, especially with kids. Like it's like a huge thing. Like I don't want to let my mom down. I don't want to let my coach down. I don't want to let my agent down that have, that's waiting on me at the end of this tunnel. I don't want to let anybody down. Um, you're not going to let anybody down in this game. I don't think there's anybody that thinks that Ian Book's going to have a good game. I don't think there's very many people that think, you know, we're going to put up a lot of points. And uh, so I, I think, like you said, I mean, I think even – you know, a 20 point or under you cover a spread, you're looking pretty solid. So, you know, maybe that's their target and, and you hope for some key plays, but, but I think we have a chance. It's not a big one, uh, but I think we have a chance. All right, let's, uh, let's hit the final three. We'll hit these fairly quick. Uh, you have the other half of the college football playoff semifinal, uh, number three, Ohio state, six and zero, taking on number two, Clemson, 10 and one, uh, seven and a half point favorite for the tigers. Uh, 67 is your over under for this one is on Friday at eight o'clock. Uh, on ESPN, um, look, and this isn't a slight on Ohio State. They haven't been tested like this. They just haven't. Uh, Clemson's primed. I think the college football playoff, the football playoff, you could have done a best of three with Clemson and Alabama, and it would have been a better showing than you're going to see in these semifinals. I have Clemson. They're going to cover seven and a half easy, and uh, and I, I'll go over as well. Yeah, I mean, I think the the, the one, if you're an Ohio State fan and um, or or – anybody related to the program, the one pro that you have is that you haven't been tested. So 
you know, maybe that's something where like you have parts of your playbook that haven't really been reached into. Maybe it's the fact that Clemson doesn't know how to prepare a hundred percent. Maybe it's the fact that everybody in the world is underestimating you uh, because of the, just because of the teams you've played. It's not entirely their fault. Uh, maybe it should have cost them a spot in the playoff, but they're here. Um, I think there's a good chance that Ohio State impresses some people, and that spread seems small to me, which means that Vegas and, and the betters and stuff like that are believing in them too. However, uh, Trevor Lawrence no longer has to deal with a Heisman curse. COVID may have been one of the secret hidden gifts for this Clemson team. There's no Heisman curse. There's nothing like that. Uh, but Trevor Lawrence looked real great against us. Uh, I think that defensively we're better than Ohio State. I like Clemson to cover this 7.5 fairly easily. There's going to be a lot of points. It's going over, and that is my one that you can lock up. You better lock it up. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. You lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. All right, then we go to the Fiesta Bowl, number 25, Oregon, 4-2, and two, uh, taking on number 10, Iowa State, who is 8-3, and 4.5-point favorite. Uh, 57 and a half is your over under this one on Saturday, uh, at four o'clock on ESPN. Um, Oregon's only ranked cause they beat a, Oregon. and they beat a not good USC team for a PAC 12 title game that Oregon shouldn't even have been in. Uh, I don't think either team is that great, but I think Iowa state is better. And I think they want to put in a good showing before next year. Um, so I'm going to take Iowa state, uh, to cover. I think they are going to win this game, obviously. And uh, and I'll go over because if we're talking Pac-12 and Big 12, there's no chance this thing goes under 57 and a half. And you can go ahead. You better lock it up. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. You lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. I'm glad I went lock on the previous game because this was going to be my other option uh, for a lock. Um, I with you. I don't. I don't really care about why Oregon's ranked. Uh, the bottom line is at the end of this game, they're not going to be. Um, and. Uh, Iowa State, not only do they have uh, things to look forward to for next year, they have a very deep roster and a lot of players that are being looked at by the NFL. Uh, they're going to be one like a very sneaky team. I don't know how many of them will be first-rounders, but when you look at the first three rounds, you're going to have your usual Alabamas, your Clemsons, your LSUs, whoever else you have. Uh, you're, not, you're, you're also going to see a lot of Iowa State Cyclones uh, in, in next year and the year after getting drafted into the NFL. There's a lot of Sunday players on this team and a lot of players that are trying to sell draft stock ahead of uh, – ahead of a combine. Uh, I think they're all going to come to play. They're better than the Ducks. Um, they're, uh, they've shown me that they're they're good enough uh, to stay in the top 10. I'm going to take them to cover. I'm going to take the over right with you. Uh, it's hunting season, uh, duck season uh, for the Iowa State Cyclones. Um, go get them. Uh, then we have the uh, finally the Orange Bowl, number five, Texas A&M. Uh, eight and one. They're a seven and a half point favorite against number 13, North Carolina, who is eight and three. 65 and a half is your over under this one Saturday night, eight o'clock um, on ESPN. You know, I, I think Texas A&M's a good football team. Um, you know, their, their only win is their, their big win is against Florida. Their only loss against Alabama. Uh, they've been playing really great football as of late. Um, but I, I think I think North Carolina is a very sneaky play. Uh, they're an offense that can score a lot of points, and if they can disrupt uh, A&M at all, which I think they can and they will do, because uh, they did it against Notre Dame, they disrupted Notre Dame for that first half of that game. Um, luckily, Notre Dame had the defense to stop North Carolina. I don't think Texas A&M does, so I think North Carolina is going to cover this seven and a half. I think North Carolina actually wins this football game, uh, and and just 
eliminates any lame argument that Texas A&M had that they should have been in the college football playoff. Uh, so I like North Carolina here in this one, and I'm I'm definitely going to go over just because its offense is the name of the game. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying, and, and I like everything North Carolina's doing. I, I think it's great they're competitive. I think they should they have a lot of speed. They have a great offense. Uh, defense is looking better than it has in a long time there in Chapel Hill. I just uh, um, I've believed in AM from the very beginning. I think the first podcast of the year we had when we did our preview show, I, I was high on AM. Uh, I was I was worried they weren't going to be as good as Georgia or Alabama, and turns out, in my opinion, they're probably better than one of those two. So um, they they've shown me they belong here. Uh, I, I think defensively, they're going to see they're going to show some schemes that uh, North Carolina hasn't seen a lot of in the ACC, uh, and and A and M can score. I mean, we talk about what North Carolina can do. A and M can put up points, um, and A and M beat a couple um, couple pretty good teams. They beat they beat one really good team. Uh, unfortunately, they couldn't beat the one really, really good team. Uh, but um, I like AM to uh, win. I, I, I'm going to take them to cover also, just because it's different than you. Uh, and um, uh, I, I do like. I do think a seven points is a is a is a fun little play uh, to take Carolina if you're if you're actually uh, looking to throw a team in a parlay or something like that. Carolina could be a good one, but but I think odds are AM's going to going to push through here, take it by uh, uh, probably double digits, uh, and I'm going to take the over right with. All right, very good, Sean. We are going to pause here uh, to uh, hear from our sponsor, Arena Eats, and and we will be uh, right back talking about the NFL and their playoff format uh, as well as uh, predicting this weekend's biggest game. Stick with us, Huddle Up Live. After these messages, we'll be right back. Huddle Up Podcast is sponsored by Arena Eats. Log on to the website, arenaeats.app, that's arenaeats.app, for the ultimate fan experience. At your favorite sports venue, Arena Eats mobile app, pre-order, express pickup, and in-seat delivery. How do you place your order? You're listening to NGSC Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSCSports.com, where you can get awesome analysis on all things sports. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, subscribe to NGSC Sports' YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports, and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop. Welcome back, Huddle Up Live here on Facebook, on Twitter, and on YouTube. Make sure you are uh, you follow us on all of our social media accounts. Make sure that you are subscribed to our show in the podcast feeds as well as on YouTube. Make sure you uh, do that. If you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, please give us a rate and review. We'd appreciate that. Five stars is best, uh, but uh, we'll take with you uh, what you can give us. And uh, tell your friends. If you follow us, if you enjoyed the show, make sure you tell somebody. Uh, get as many people in here going forward, uh, not just this season, uh, but in the seasons to come. So make sure you do that uh, 
as well. Sean, before we get to the um, before we get to the the, the NFL discussion, I, I had shared this uh, the, this picture. It was a, it was a nine nine image uh, graph yesterday, and uh, it got a lot of responses. So it was uh, number one was popcorn, two was beer, three was pizza, four was hot dog, five was peanuts, six nachos, seven soda, eight soft pretzel, nine french fries and say so you had to pick three uh for stadium snack which uh which ones did you uh which ones did you go with well because there wasn't a need to hit two three times uh and take <laughs> the beer all three uh if you're gonna give me some snacks to go with that beer uh i'm definitely a nachos guy especially if you got that fake jalapeno infused nacho cheese mm-hmm. uh first of all don't try to give me the plain cheddar with the nachos on the side i'll still eat it uh but i'd like the cheese to have that nacho spice in there uh, yeah, and I'm a big soft pretzel guy. Yeah, mm-hmm. I want something to just hit you right in the back of the throat a little bit. Um, but I'm also a big soft pretzel guy. Um, um, you know, part of it's like kind of the Philly thing, I guess. But even just before I was even uh, real big into Philly and I was a kid, just something about tearing apart that soft pretzel. Sometimes so you'd Kmart and they'd have that little snack shack in the front there. Those yeah, whatever it is, man. It just uh, I, Sometimes I want to eat the, the hard parts of the soft pretzel first. Other times I want to peel off the outer layer, eat the soft part first. Doesn't matter what order I eat it in. Sometimes with mustard, sometimes without. Um, either way, uh, it's just it's just a go to snack for me. It's I might have to uh, go to Philly Pretzel Factory tomorrow. Yeah, now I kind of want soft pretzel. <laughs> I really set myself up for failure. I was just at the store, could have bought some soft pretzels. I really really let myself down. Maybe hit a Wawa tomorrow or something. There you go. I'm gonna eat. God damn it. Uh, for me, I think. Um, I mean, I, I went with a beer, obviously. You're going to go with a beer at a ball game. Um, you know, and, I, and I'm trying to look at this from like a full scope and not just one sport. So if like if I'm at a baseball game or a football game on outside, I love a hot dog, you know, whether it's a dollar dog, whether you know, I always love a good hot, especially because I, I was on the outside looking in because uh, like, I definitely I thought about that at a baseball game. I don't think I eat hot dogs at other sports. I was trying to think about like, do, have, do have I had a hot dog at, at an Eagles game or something? I mean, maybe I've been pretty in the bags. For most of them, so I don't, I don't know. I don't go to a lot of football games. Like I don't go to a lot of live football. So like my primary games that I go to are baseball and hockey. So like, and I've gotten to hot dogs at 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 hockey games, but I you know I usually eat dinner before I go to a hockey game, and that'll play into my number my number three choice. So if I'm at a baseball game, I always get a hot dog, regardless of anything else that I might eat that night. I always get a hot dog when I go to a baseball game because I'm it's more likely to get that hot dog if it's a day baseball game. If it's like a one o'clock oh, like weekend game, I'm I'm probably eating two, three hot dogs. I I don't know the last time I was at a baseball game and I didn't have a hot dog. It just it just feels right uh, at a at a at a baseball game. But then go to the hockey game usually because um, you know like at Hershey especially like the, the the cost of the food has gotten just ridiculous over the last couple of years. So a lot of times. We will eat somewhere in Hershey before we go to the game, um, and that's where I go to, to the, the the prime the the uh, the, the so most. All you need at the game is like a like a snack. Yeah, so then I go with number one, nice. the popcorn. I love that box of popcorn that was probably popped two or three days ago. So right, you bite down, it sticks to your upper molars. Yeah, it's, it's it's a little sticky, it's a little stale, but it's it's buttery, it's salty, it's it's delicious. That 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 box of popcorn is just one of the best things. Uh, in the entire world for me, popcorn's an always snack. I, I definitely, I definitely not in agreement with your uh, 
with your with with your two picks there. But but I can see why you like the uh, like like the light snack there. I tried to, and I think you know I was thinking of it later. It's I was like the same way. Like it's well, I was, and I was looking at it later, and I'm like, you know, like what made it kind of hard for me is the fact that stadiums now, like there's there's so many stadiums trying to sell the fact that we have the best food. We have this, and so there's all these vendors of like local favorites. So you go to a Philly game, it's the base. I go to a Philly game. I don't even know that I eat a hot dog that much anymore because there's a Gino's steaks in the outfield, you know, and and um, chickies and peach fries, chickies and peach crab fries. Like if I'm going to a game in Philadelphia, I'm probably eating a cheesesteak and chickies and peach crab fries. And if I can't get both, or I don't have time, or I'm not hungry enough, just the crab fries. We so it's uh, like we went to the Flyers. And yet somehow I didn't pick fries. We went to the Flyers home opener last year, and I think um, I think well, I got, I'd gotten a Molson. I'd gotten a Molson Canadian because if I'm at a hockey game, I'm going to get a Canadian beer. Um, but uh, we ate. We had chickies and Pete's crab fries. I had um, PJ Wellington boneless wings with their Wellahan uh, Wellahans uh, with, with whatever their um, they have like a special. It's a it's like their signature sauce, whatever that is. I got that, and then uh, I had uh, cheesesteak like egg rolls on the way out, like Jeez. as we were leaving. Um, it was it was delicious, but like uh, yeah, I didn't have like any tradition like normal uh, stadium foods because like you know I, yeah I wasn't even thinking the crab fries when it when I dismissed number nine. But like the yeah, nice thing is at the Philly airport they got like usually if I'm flying back to Florida like there's there's two terminals where where Frontier where, which we usually fly comes out of one of them has a gym steaks the other has a chickies and peats uh so it it works out that usually i can get one of them as long as we can get into the terminal fast enough uh, now, now at this point uh any future flights will have at least a toddler if not a toddler and an infant uh in tote uh, so the odds of me getting through anything with enough uh with enough um time to to have a, a full meal of chickies and pizza much slimmer uh, but we'll try to set that up successfully well, just grab one and can you throw it in can you, can you throw a cheesesteak and carry on just to- I, i'm pretty sure that some of the philly steak places will legitimately like put it on ice and mail it to you i'm pretty sure that's like a thing yeah like, what's that uh, what's that service yeah. now that it's uh like golden box or something like that where it's, it's- you get something from anywhere sent to you yeah because um uh, friends of ours uh got some got Chicago deep dish uh you know shipped in from Chicago you can get like the Italian beef uh shipped in from Chicago you can get oh, like goodness. you can get lobster roll kits from uh from Maine you can get uh there's that place out in California it's like Philippe's it's the the place that originated the French dip with the hot mustard you can get that stuff I mean it's not cheap I mean you're you're t- I think for for like two deep dish pizzas I think it uh, it comes out to like 110 bucks but like, you know, it, it, that's also the cost of like the, the dry ice to make sure you know, <laughs> and like yeah. the overnight shipping. Oh, a lot cheaper than driving out there, right? Driving or flying, and right now you can't do either. So like, uh, I definitely th- those are services I'm going to look into because it's like I can get I don't need to go to diners and drive-ins and dives. I can just bring that. I can just fly that shit into my house. Yeah. The I point can, being, uh, a lot of these uh, strange foods, like the fancier foods, the the more. Uh, regional foods are showing up in in uh, stadiums. So for me to pick like a traditional um, uh, eat, I had to assume that I was doing that in lieu of the fancy steak. Uh, I had to assume that I was going there. This is what I was eating. It was only these things. Well, and for me, uh, so I, I, needed substance. I needed right in the middle of substance and snacks. So I needed a very filling pretzel 
uh, and some yummy cheese. That's where I was at. But um, well, and I um, but I'm about to gnaw my hand off. So this has to be the last point of this. And I also go to you know I go to more minor league sports. So like you don't you don't have a lot of those signature dishes. True. Uh, True. At, at your you know double A baseball games and AHL hockey games. So. Uh, it does kind of work out in my favor that I can get some. Right, and down here, I'm not getting typically a Geno steak at a ball game. I have to I have to settle for whatever's around. And if you're not in the mood for a a fish taco or uh, something else, super See, that's, not, that's not stadium food. You know, something like that. You know, you know that's 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 uh, Cabana Bar on a Saturday afternoon food. That's not stadium nice thing food. Nice about Florida is it's a drinking state. So like you can be sure that every single vendor and every little side stand. Oh sure. Craft beer, cocktails, something. Uh, it's usually a drink special, depending on what time of the day your uh, your game is. So, uh, plenty, plenty to uh, to drink, and and um, still a lot of good food down here. It's just oh, you know sure. you're looking more the la, the Latino, like maybe maybe a Cuban variety. I'd imagine in Miami, a lot of Cuban food uh, over here. Um, just a plethora of of just ethnic foods uh, in the area. So I haven't been to uh, the Rays Stadium. I haven't been to to a Bucks game, uh, and I missed my uh tampa bay lightning game by that much oh yeah uh, you were gonna go to a flyers uh lightning game right right they called the season yeah oh i was supposed yeah. to go to a seven o'clock game flyers were in town it was gonna be my first flyers game outside of philadelphia and uh i was super jacked i had, I had met a nice guy we shared a barber had tickets he wasn't even charging me for the tickets and um it was just because his dad goes out of town for half the year and this was during that half and so, uh, so I had these seats. I was going to go, and 1 p.m. that day, they were like, no more hockey. There's a virus. Uh, we had we had Hershey Bears tickets for the, the 13th, and that was the that was the day that the AHL shut down. So, so yeah, it's, uh, it, it's a rough scenario, but, um, you know, hopefully we'll I get back. We'll get back there. I know, I know, like the Capitals, um, they're, you know, we've seen it in stadiums and stuff. They, they do the cardboard cutout things. Um, the capital sent out a thing. You can get a cardboard cutout, uh, and they guarantee it'll be in for the first half of the season. Uh, but they're somewhat optimistic that fans may be getting back in the building for the second part of the season. So, uh, oh, here's hope. You know, and I mean, let's be honest, you're in a state that will probably be among the first that has, <laughs> you know, large crowds. You have the vaccine. They're not even going to check temperatures. They're just like, come no, on. I'm really not. They're like, oh, you're, you can walk. Cool. You're in. Um, all right, Sean, before we get to the uh, the NFL pickums, uh, I was having a debate and it was a, a new follower of the show. Uh, let me find uh, their name here, one and done uh, radio. Um, we, we were having this discussion today because I, I saw a post from them and um, it was he was he was complaining that the, and he's not even a, a bucks fan, but he's complaining that the uh, buccaneers, uh, are going to have to travel to the winner of the NFC East. So we've seen this argument pop up before. Uh, when uh, the the Panthers were seven, eight, and one, when the Saints were seven and nine, and obviously whoever wins the NFC East will be sub five hundred. Uh, a Buccaneers team most likely will be traveling to that team, and the argument was that a sub five hundred team, or or really he he went as far as saying that like the only guarantee you should get with. Uh, with winning a division is a playoff spot, but the seeding in the playoffs should be done based on uh, records. So in this case, obviously, uh, whoever wins the NFC East would be the lowest seed in the NFC playoffs. 
But my argument back at him was if you're going to change the format, because that's what you're saying, you want the format change. You don't like the fact that a sub 500 team can, uh, can, can host a playoff game. If you're going to change the format, why don't you, why don't you go full stop? Just eliminate the under 500 teams. Why? What I said is just eliminate divisions and division champions. Just have, there's an NFC and an AFC, or if you want to be really radical, eliminate the conferences and just have the schedule as the schedule. And then the top 16 teams or, or you know, 18, whoever teams, they are, whoever it is, the team with the, the 17 best, 16 best records. Those are the teams that make the playoffs. But let's keep it in, even keep it within the conference. I said it could, because what's going to happen is if, if they would make the change to what this, what to, to what they were uh, suggesting and a, you know, seven and nine or, or six and 10 or whatever it is, NFC East winner is going to get in. There's going to be teams that are what 11 and five, 10 and six, that are still going to be sitting outside and go, well, you changed the format. It's still not fair to me that I didn't get in. Like, am I happy that an NFC East team and 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 obviously I, at this point the Cowboys have have fucked over their draft position. So at this point, win the whole goddamn thing. But like, you know, am I happy? You know that that if I'm a Bucks fan, am I happy that I have to travel to Dallas? No. But guess what? If you're a better team, you're gonna the more chances than not, you're gonna have to win on the road anyway. Because Especially this year, there's not gonna be any fans there. There's one exactly, but there's one team that gets home field that's guaranteed home field. And if you're not that team, at some point you're gonna have to win on the road. If you're not good enough to win on the road, you probably don't deserve if you can't beat a three and you can't beat a five and eleven team on the road, how are you gonna beat the Packers in Lambeau in January? Right. Exactly. Like that's so like and I get it. Does it look crappy that an eleven and five team has to travel to a seven? I got and news for you. A lot of other teams have won in Philadelphia this year, right? A lot of them. Yeah, a lot of teams have won in Dallas this year. And they're, they're beautiful facilities. It's not like you're going to the old Veterans Stadium where like stuff's falling apart and there's rats in the ceiling and you know all this. Like you're going to these beautiful facilities. Everyone in the NFC East, minus maybe Washington's. Is new within the last. I don't even think I think theirs is new within the last ten years. I don't think there's anybody in the. You know, I'd guess the Giants have the oldest. I don't know. I met life's pretty pretty new, but they're all nice stadiums. It's not like you're going to like some crummy place. I I don't know. It's like you said. I mean, and I'm assuming it's a Tampa Bay based um, uh, podcast. And, and oh, the guy's the Colts fan. Well, then what's the big? <laughs> You like, know, first of all, if anybody in Tampa Bay or anybody on the Buccaneers is angry that they're going to have to travel somewhere else, you wouldn't have to if you knew how to beat the Saints. <laughs> you're one true. game behind them. You're probably going to win your next one. You're going to finish either tied with them and losing a tiebreaker or one game behind them that would have been all solved winning one of two games. And you couldn't win one of those two. And one of those wasn't even – I mean, were they both Drew Brees? Hang on a second. No, I think oh, one yeah. of them is Jason Hill. Um, but here's yeah. the thing: like, the, the, the for me, you know, the, the, there should be an more of an in, just an incentive of making the playoffs to winning a division. And like, you know, if you're not good enough to win your division, you shouldn't get to host the first playoff game that yeah. you play. 
there should be some penalty for the fact that you couldn't win your division. Like, like, because yes, there is, there is going to be some years where there's a sub 500 team, but there's going to be years where a team gets in at 10 and they six lose to Drew Brees twice. Okay. They lost to him twice. But the they, real they, oh, that's right. I think he came back. He was, he they was lost back. the first game of the year. Tom threw a couple picks. Um, and then in the second game, um, at home, they were like, all right, well, Tom will get to play him at home this time. They lost 38 to three, never even got on the board. So sorry, like you got to go somewhere. Well, I, I don't it's like, you know, and, and for me, and, and it was more that my, my biggest issue with, with, with the suggestion that, that, that he had made was that it was kind of a middle of the road change because you were still allowing that sub 500 team into the playoff, but they, they weren't going to get the benefit because they, they won their division, whether it's a crappy division or not, they won right. the division. Like, like there will be years that a 10 and six division winner will host an 11 and five wildcard team, but nobody looks at the fact that, that 10 and six division might have three, like, you know, two or three, 10 and six teams. Yeah. That it's a, that it's a hard fought division. Like it's not, it's not always the case that it's. There's been times where the NFC East had some, yeah. some like the opposite problem where the NFC East was very good. Sure. And your division winner, it was maybe like nine and seven, nine and seven, eight and eight. Yeah. And it's like, you know, nobody, like you said, nobody, but if that nine and seven loses one more game and they're all eight and eight, all of a sudden it's this, well, they don't deserve, you know, uh, and sometimes when you're in a competitive division, which there, there, there's fewer and farther between of those, especially uh, this year. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's not the case for the NFCs this year, but I mean, the NFC South for a while was an example of one where teams like that play each other start. You know, you start exchanging losses, and you know each team has six. You go three and three in those. There's three of your losses, and you know, depending where you finished the year before, you know, if you were a playoff team the year before, you might draw the number one seed of two other conferences, and depending how the NFL schedules you, maybe you play uh, the, I don't know, the AFC West, which has a lot of great offensive teams. Maybe you draw the NFC South, uh, which the uh, uh, NFC East did this year. So you, you kind of get this weird chance of like, um, you know, maybe you draw some really tough games. And, and if you're having a rough year, you still got to win the games that matter. You got six games against your division. And like you said, if you eliminate division play altogether, then you don't have to lock up those six games anymore. Right. You just get to play, you know, you play half the teams in the league and everybody just kind of shuffle. Everybody plays half and you got to hope that you get a half but even then there's going to be harder schedules and whatever sure. but and my my whole thing too is is the NFL has so many convoluted and confusing rules as it is when it comes to stuff on the field right. what's the catch what isn't the catch How, when can you advance a fumble uh you know what is a football move what is this you the know answer you know the the you, you see referees pulling out index cards to determine a first down um and and commentators get just as baffled uh, when it comes to trying to explain the rules. I mean, growing up, I mean, Pat Summerall and John Madden, they knew the rules. They didn't need to bring in a Mike Pereira or, you know, Gene Steratore or whoever it was to explain to me what's happening. Uh, they didn't have to do it because the rule, you know, it was easier. The game was easier to understand. And the last thing you want to do is make it harder to understand who is hosting a playoff game and why. Who's in a playoff game and why. You know, why isn't this, you know, well, they won the division. Why aren't they? 
to me, it, it just muddies the water more. So if you're going to change the format, and I'm not, here's the thing, I don't think the format should be changed. I'll say All that. Right. However, if you are going to do it, you can't make it more convoluted than it is, which it's not right now. It's it's division winners and the two other best teams. So, like, why would you make it harder harder to explain? Because that's the thing. You have to make it so it can be explained to somebody who's not a football fan. To me, that trying to explain why a team who won their division is playing at a team who didn't is, is more confusing. So if you're going to change it, make it the top eight teams or seven teams or whatever it's going to be in the conference end of the day. Just you get rid of the divisions. You can still kind of base your schedule off of them year to year. But otherwise, you know, don't make it confusing because the NFL already uh, is confusing uh, enough. And it, it doesn't happen often enough. That it needs to be. No, uh, this is it, the third time it's happened in modern history. Right. This, this. Well, I'm, I'm showing in, in NFL history, like uh, even if you're talking um, all the time, four uh, sub 500 teams have made uh, the playoffs with a losing record. Uh, I guess that means this would be the fifth because it hasn't, unless they're counting this. Um, but yeah, it's just. In fact, twice in one season in 1982, the Browns and Lions both made it. Uh, at four and five in a nine-game regular season. So they were one game under. And then in the modern era, like you said, two more. Uh, so so two and two, um, two in the old uh, old nine-game schedule, and then two since they expanded uh, to um, almost twice as many games. And as far as I know, only once did that result in a win, which was that Seattle Marshawn Lynch run against the New Orleans yeah. Saints. Yeah, because they yeah the Panthers lost uh, in in their opening game, and chances are whoever wins the NFC East probably probably gonna lose. Gonna lose that first probably game probably gonna lose. I have a hard time even if my Cowboys get in. The only the only benefit of winning that division this year is one extra game of not even really revenue. You just get your TV share money. Yeah, because I have a hard time believing that the if say the Cowboys get in, and we'll talk about those games here in a second. I have a hard time believing. Dallas Cowboys are going to beat Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I just don't see it happening. I don't, I don't see, see a lot of scenarios where that happens. No. So uh, let, let's get to the games. Uh, let's recap where we're at against the spread. Uh, Sean, I went one and three last week. Uh, so I'm at 31 and 28 on the year. You also went one and three last week. So you are 32 uh, and 27. So you weren't able to gain anything on me, but you stay uh, that game ahead. Just a, uh, just a rough week. Uh, all around. I can say it's a good thing we didn't count that Dallas Philly game. Uh, yeah, I thought about putting that in after the fact, but I did say on air, so I people, gained another, people gained would have people would have checked uh, checked the receipt on me. So, yes. um, but uh, yeah, we got uh, the six and nine. Now remember, I'm making the big four based on like importance to the week. Uh, so people are going to look at the fact that I yes have both NFC East matchups in the uh, in the pickums this week because. Uh, there's a lot riding on him. There's not a lot of riding on a lot of games uh, in Week 17, but we start one o'clock on Sunday afternoon in uh, in the Meadowlands. It is the six and nine Dallas Cowboys. They're a three point road favorite at the five and ten New York Giants. The over under forty five on this one. This game is on Fox. And like, I mean, here's the deal: the winner of this game uh, need still needs Washington to lose, but you can't get you can't win the division and make it to the playoffs if you can't win. Uh, I look at these two teams, and and I don't know who the what the quarterback situation is in New York. I look at the, you know the, the receivers are banged up, running backs are banged up, the defense is kind of banged up. 
Um, the Cowboys, you know, regardless of, of playing some poor teams here down the stretch, they're playing another one on Sunday. The Cowboys have been playing pretty darn good football on both sides of the ball. They've, they've given up some points. Their offense is absolutely clicking. So I have no reason to think, um, you know, despite just them screwing me over. Um, but I, I think the Cowboys win this game. They cover the three points. Uh, they put themselves in the position to potentially win uh, the NFC East. And I'll go over because the Cowboys, the way that offense, they might score 40 points themselves. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to try to sell uh, sell anything. I, I think the um, the big test is going to be in the Giants' secondary. Uh, it's going to be what those receivers are able to do because Dallas has a has uh, two really good ones, one pretty darn good one, uh, and and I think that um, that's going to be the test. Now, the good news for the Giants is their pass rush isn't bad. Uh, the Giants, as a whole, for where their record is, and 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 it, it's been kind of spotty. But when when the defense has arrived. Uh, it's been very effective against um, inferior teams. Uh, and the good news is, is you're playing against the NFC East here, uh, so good chance it's an inferior team. Uh, and, and I think that um, I think from the quarterback standpoint, I, I think even though Andy Dalton's more proven in the league, I think Daniel Jones has a lot more upside uh, on, on good days because uh, he doesn't have those three receivers, uh, but the Cowboys secondary is more suspect if, <laughs> if not uh, just as – uh, so I think it's kind of all these little tiny mini battles. Uh, both running games are extremely mediocre, uh, and a lot of that has to do with injuries on one side and the other not really having an offensive line. So I don't really see that be the deciding factor. But what I will say is this. The Giants are at home, uh, F Dallas, and um, I'm going to take the New York Giants uh, to not only cover but win this game. Uh, I think Daniel Jones bounces back. I think the Giants bounce back. Uh, I think they've looked like the better of these two teams uh, over the second half of the season, and um, I'm going to take him to kind of prove that here this week and have a chance um, to, um, you know, hope for a hope for a Washington loss. So, give me the Giants and the over. I guess <laughs> who cares? Uh, then we go to the uh, the AFC North. It is the Mason Rudolph quarterbacked Pittsburgh Steelers, who are 12 and three. They travel to. The uh, the Cleveland Browns coming fresh off their loss to the New York Jets. Uh, they are ten and five. They are now a nine and a half point favorite. I originally had this around six, uh, but I double checked it when um, the the announcement today uh, that Mason Rudolph was going to start. Cleveland for the, for the the Steelers. I have nine and a half. Uh, Forty three is your over under this one Sunday at one o'clock uh, on CBS. The the Browns. You know, a couple weeks ago we we're talking. Possible division champions. The Steelers were slipping. The Browns were starting to click. Uh, eyes got on Baker and company, and man, they 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 started to become the Browns real quick, didn't they? They're losing to the Jets. Uh, and here's the thing: like, I know people are going to make the argument about the fact that you, you had, you know, your entire receiving core missing because of the you know COVID contact. You still had Nick Chubb. You still had Kareem Hunt. You still had your three starting tight ends. If you can't beat the New York Jets with those weapons, um, those receivers probably weren't going to make the difference anyway. Because I saw Baker Mayfield throw a lot of poor passes. That no matter you, you could have Jerry Rice in his prime out there, he wouldn't have made some of those catches. So um, I, I still think Cleveland win. Cleveland win this game. I mean, nine and a half. Like nine and a half feels really big, but I think Cleveland knows they have. This is a spot they have to. 
They have to. If they lose, they might not even make the playoffs. So I think Cleveland, they're at home. I think I think people are allowed at, at games in Ohio. I can't remember. Um, probably uh, they're 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 their governor's big time Republican guys. So I think there's people there. I would um, so, yes. So I'm going to go Cleveland. I'm still going to go Cleveland. I'm still going to go plus the nine and a half. I don't feel confident. Definitely not going to get anywhere near a lock on this. Um, but uh, but I think I think Cleveland's going to correct whatever mistake it, it's been the last two weeks. Uh, and uh, the, the, over. Sure. <laughs> uh, the um, the spread is is extremely high for a lock, uh, especially for somebody that has no faith in Baker Mayfield <laughs> ever. Will Baker Mayfield have days where he looks like a Hall of Fame quarterback? Yes. Should one of those days have been last week? Also, yes. Um, just, man, what a – I would call it unpredictable, but I predicted it. There's uh, also predict- days where – It I would like to point out that not only did I predict that the Browns are no good, uh, I also predicted uh, that the Jets would not have the number one pick. Uh, it was in a ludicrous uh, theoretical uh, how does it happen, and I, I called the wrong two Jets wins, but I got them, uh, and, and the Jaguars have proven – Proven me correct. So, uh, Trevor Lawrence, you're welcome. Anyway, um, in this game, yeah. Yeah, with the first pick in the NFL draft. <laughs> that one you can lock up. <laughs> yeah, um, that's a lock. Um, by the way, Mason Rudolph's stats coming into this game on the year, three of four for nine yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, so having a, a stellar year, that's actually probably the best his stats have looked. Yeah, definitely uh, the best. Has anybody yeah. bounced the helmet off his head yet this year? Um, I don't like I, – I don't think Mason Rudolph – the Steelers have never shown shown me anything to say they're going to win with a backup quarterback. They've never – Roethlisberger doesn't want them drafting the heir apparent. They apparently are going to just go with that, so they keep having all these scrub guys. Uh, I, I think the Browns need to win. Because uh, if they lose, like you said, I, I, I don't see the – right now it's the Colts. It could end up being the Titans right on their butts. Um, but either way, one of them's going to catch them. And right now the only thing keeping them in the playoffs is the fact that the NFL expanded the playoffs. So um, they're sitting right there at the last last wild card uh, right now as tiebreakers fall. So um, give me the Browns, I guess, to cover – uh, just because I don't um, – I, and I don't see this as a lock at all. I could easily see this being close because it's the Browns. Uh, but it shouldn't be. And give me – you said over? Uh, I went over, yeah. I'll take the under. All right, so you have Cleveland as well. Cleveland under. All right, then we go to a uh, a battle in the NFC North. It is a game that the Chicago Bears need uh, – I think if they win, I think if they win, they're in. Uh, if they lose, I think they can still get in. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong on that one, Sean. But I think the Bears, uh, if they win, they're in. Um, it is the 12 and three Green Bay Packers, five and a half point road favorite at eight and seven Chicago, who's playing the the, the best they've played all year, probably in a couple of years. Uh, Fifty and a half is your over under. This one at four twenty five uh, on Fox. You know, I look I look at this situation as well. Um, where, where you have a, a Packers team that by, by obviously the Packers are a much better football team than the Chicago Bears. But the Packers don't have a whole lot to gain, I don't think, uh, with, with uh, maybe, maybe a, the, 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 the first round by um, the Packers are locked. They're, they're, they're settled in. This game is more important to the Chicago Bears. 
So I, I don't even know if the Bears necessarily win this game, but I think they're going to cover the five and a half. I have Chicago covering the five and a half. Um, I think they can win this game. They have been playing a little bit better as of late, maybe a product of, of, of some crappy opponents. Uh, but I like the Bears in this one. I'll go under, though, because if you're going to beat the Packers, you need to find a way to uh, to slow down Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and whoever the hell they're, they're running the football. Um, uh, so you have to find a way to do that. That's the only way you're going to find success. So I got the Bears plus. Yeah, I'm trying to look uh, if the Packers definitely clinched home field. There are two teams right behind them at, 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 with one less uh, win. I'm not seeing anything on there that they they clinched that. Um, maybe not. Uh, so so, um, but you're right. The Packers are an elite team. The Bears can still get in. They're currently sitting same as the Browns. They're in the seventh uh, playoff position, uh, the last wild card rather, um, hanging in there. Uh, only the Cardinals are tied with them right now uh, on the outside looking in. So they, they're they're watching uh, the Cardinals Rams. Uh, very closely uh, while they're playing, um, just in case. But the Packers have some things to play for. Devontae Adams is on the verge of some records. I know uh, he's trying to do. Uh, you got guys like AJ Dillon that that you know people have been telling him he's a uh, uh, kind of a bust draft pick, and and you're going to have some guys. I, I don't think you're going to see a lot of Aaron Jones if he does start, just because of his history of being in and out, and the fact that you already have a Jamal uh, Jamal Williams that's, that's been hurt. Uh, so I think the Packers may rest some spot guys, uh, but for the most part, you're not going to let the Bears. Your goal is n- you never let a team walk in. So if anything, your division rival has a chance to make the playoffs. You could potentially prevent that from happening. Um, and it's a team that knows you real well. And as bad as they are and as good as you are, um, you probably would end up having to play them. Uh, so you try to eliminate them now. So this essentially becomes a, a pre-playoff playoff game. Uh, I like the Packers to absolutely obliterate the um, the Chicago Bears. Uh, I, I looked it up. Uh, it, the The Packers beat the Saints, so I, I, it must be that if the Packers would end up tied with uh, Seattle. Seattle, that Seattle and uh, Jesus, that just seems ridiculous. But Seattle would would Seattle be- and Jesus. Seattle and Jesus would be the the number one. I mean, the only way they need to, the, Seattle would have to bring Jesus along. Yes, uh, to be and 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 they, they would be uh, the number one seed. To be honest, in a head to head matchup, I I feel like that's pretty accurate. I feel like if Seattle went to Green Bay, they would need to bring Jesus. Probably, probably. It just seems ridiculous that Seattle, or at least the old the old Russell Wilson, wherever he went, you could bring him. It's close <laughs> enough to Jesus. I felt the old Russell Wilson could could walk on water. Uh, and and still throw a deep ball, possibly, possibly. Uh, By the way, give me the Packers in the over. Um, I love my man Nick Foles. They've chosen Mitch Trubisky. Trib, Tribby, Trib. There's there's apparently only one eye. It's just Trubisky. I always thought it was like Tribiusky, or I thought there was at least two eyes. Uh, even though it doesn't look like he ever plays with two eyes, uh, I'm going to go ahead and um, uh, just say he's going to find a way to even if it's close. Screw this one up. But I'm going to take the Packers to cover. I'm going to take. And then we go to the final, the final regular season game in the National Football League's 2020 season. It was flexed into the the Monday, the Sunday night spot. And folks, that is also that is for, there's multiple reasons. Number one, money and ratings. Number two, uh, it has to do with with you know the the potential scenarios for next week and where other teams play. So that 
like teams playing each other next week would have a, as close to equal amount of theoretical. I didn't think they time. even had a night game scheduled. It's kind of baffling to me. When they try to finish the season like same time, same day, everything. Usually last week you don't get a night game. There's been, like, there's been a couple of seasons where they haven't. Because if Washington wins this game and wins the division, then they technically have, and I would, I would, if I was them, I'd like cause a major stink. I'd be Ron Rivera, be like, and we like, have four <laughs> less hours to prepare yeah. <laughs> than everybody else, and we need to prepare more than anyone else. We're the worst team getting. Right, in. they should be playing at 10 a.m. on Sunday. <laughs> Never know. So yeah, I, I think it's garbage that we're even playing a night game, but it is what it is. Especially it is. like right at the tail end of my. Uh, teaching break. I got to go back and teach that Monday morning. Good well, news is it doesn't matter if we win or lose. Well, I was going to say, it's not like you have playoffs hanging in the balance, Sean. Uh, but it is the six and nine Washington football team. They are a one and a half point road favorite at four, 10 and one Philadelphia. 42 and a half is your over under. This one, of course, 820 uh, on uh, on NBC. Um, Dwayne Haskins released. Um, yeah. Alex Smith. Still questionable at this point with the calf injury. And I think they're going to be proactive with that because it's the bad leg. Right. Um, so Chris, was it is it Weineke is the guy? Winky. Winky. No, yeah, not, not, not Meineke, the car parts guy. Who is their backup? Is it Chris uh, Winky? Is it Florida State? How old is that guy? I don't think it's that one. I don't think it's I don't think it's the guy that was 37 when he played at Florida State. Hold on, let me uh he, played, he was old when he played in college. He was like, I know. Let me, let me let me find it here because it's that can't be right. It sounds like them, but it's not actually him. Taylor Heineke from uh, from Old Dominion. He's in his fourth year. He came. Well, in. We got we got some immediate candidacy for fantasy relevant touchdowns. Yeah, because he came in. He was twelve and nineteen for one thirty seven and a touchdown uh, on Sunday. Well, that's got to be your guy then. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Um, so, like, if, if Alex Smith can't go, and again, I think they're going to be proactive. If there's any question about his health, especially because it's the, the surgically repaired leg. Um, trending sports. Like, he was, like, going to play at one point. But there's still questions. So, so, but here's the thing. Even if Alex Smith plays, this the Washington team, yeah, they have a great pass rush, but... I I just feel like they've kind of been missing the path, and maybe maybe getting Haskins out of that locker room is going to prove wonders for them. But the bottom line is the Cowboys have already screwed over what would have been a top five draft pick. They're in a position to win the division. At this point, I just say fuck it, win the division because here's the deal: you've screwed yourselves over. At least get a playoff game. You you can't win a Super Bowl if you don't get in. Not that I think the Cowboys have any chance if they get in. I'm just saying you have no chance if you don't. So at this point, I say uh, it's not even that I want. You know what? I'm not even going to put that bad karma out there. I want the Philadelphia Eagles to win this football game on Sunday. I'm picking them to cover the one and a half. I'm picking them to win this game. And and by proxy, I'm picking the Dallas Cowboys to be your 2020 NFC East champions. And you can go ahead and you can lock it up. You better lock it up. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. You lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Well, I wish I was as confident as you are. Uh, let me just say uh, that that I think that, um, in my opinion, that Alex Smith is going to do everything within his power to play in this football game. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and, and I and I think that 
going to trend towards playing and then hope that the Eagles are just the Eagles and you're winning enough by halftime that you can just sit out the rest. Uh, and, and, and or if you're losing enough by halftime. Yeah, either way, just, just set it down like you're being pulled from a hockey game as a goalie. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, I, I don't really know what to believe. Uh, you know, it looked like Jalen Hurts provided a spark, like, and that's what I heard so much in the first game and even against Carol, you know, Arizona. And then you're like, what well, one and two, how big of a spark was it? You know, like, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's not like you were drawing Green Bay and New Orleans like you did uh, while Carson Wentz was still under the, you know what I mean? Like it was, it, it I don't know. I feel like it was a weird transition time going into that New Orleans game. You find a way to win that one. And then it's like, hey, hey, we got this guy. He's doing really great. Uh, and then you're like, we're going to lose to the middling, currently out of the playoff Arizona Cardinals. Uh, and then uh, a team that if you had just won the game would be in dead last in the NFC East. Uh, so I don't know, come out flying high, start doing well, and then just where was it in the second half? And I was in an argument with another Eagles fan uh, where I was watching the game uh, who just kept telling me it was the defense's fault that Dallas was scoring, so it's the defense's fault. Like, well, if you're saying Dallas scoring is a defense's fault, it's pretty damn obvious. I was <laughs> like, if you're saying like, us losing this game right now is because of the defense, um, I well, haven't seen a scoring no, drive in like – I was like, I haven't seen a scoring drive in like five drives. Where's, where's that? And he's like, well, it's coming, and it didn't. Um, You're a goddamn genius. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, but <laughs> yeah, you I know what? Eagles lost. Dallas scored more points. Exactly what? Uh, what You're a uh, goddamn genius. Caused that to happen. Uh, what I hear, you want to, you know, from what I understand, if you don't score more than the other team, you're not going to win very many of those games. Uh, so we really struggled there. Um. Bottom line, I got to pick my Eagles. I, I refuse not to. Uh, I, I've done it this every time we've had it. I've, I've picked them, so so let me take them to cover and somehow lose by half a point. I don't know. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm going to take the under because I don't think either team's going to score very many points. But man, I mean, if Peterson's like, I'm confident in having this job. I'm like, do you want it? <laughs> like, look at the state of the team, the state of the salary cap, and the fact that you have to choose between. Um, an up and comer like he has to win this game to keep his job, or do you think the decision's been made either way internally? I don't, I, I don't see what this game changes, uh, so I'm not sure. Like, I mean, unless ownership's reaching out and be like, "Show us you can win a game, or you're gone." Like that would be like, it, like they would have to let him know ahead of time and be like, "This is your tryout. Like, show us everything that the offense could look like. Everybody's healthy." at least from a weapon standpoint. Right. I don't care if it's, you know, and you're like, well, there's not a lot of protection. Yeah, but now we put the kid in who you tell me can get out of trouble. So prove it. <laughs> Win some games. Um, now, I don't know about Fletcher Cox's status, but that was a huge part of that Dallas Dallas loss. I agree. Um, that changes the whole dynamic of that defense, especially when everybody behind him is already banged up and you have no safety help that's healthy either. That does not help things. Not when you have um, Lamb, Michael Gallup, and Amari Cooper. Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> doesn't help much. Uh, you got to be able to get the pressure, and you got to be able to stop run rushes up the middle. And it, it just it just wasn't a it was a perfect storm of problems. Uh, but but yeah, I don't I don't know what they're going to do going forward. Uh, I don't know who the quarterback of the future is. Um, you know, some people are still really sold on Jalen Hurts. 
maybe he is the quarterback of the future, but maybe not right away. Like, you know, I, I don't know what uh, what's in store. I right. hope future once. doesn't mean now necessarily. <laughs> I just don't know, especially if you go out and lose this game and you're one and four, that winning percentage is a lot smaller than Carson Wentz's. Sure. Against lesser opponents, because two of them were in your own division. I, I don't know. I don't even know what to believe on any of that. Uh, but I'll deal with that in the offseason. Right now, just give me the Eagles and the under, and we'll uh, we'll ride into the sunset and hopefully uh, hold you off. Perfect. All right, Sean. And before we, uh, of course, before we close out, we need to hit the uh, the fantasy irrelevant touchdown of the week. And we may have already spoiled it, but uh, let's hear who some of the nominations are. Well, it was an interesting week uh, all around. And uh, before I get to honorable mention, I, I got to say, I always love gadget play touchdowns. And I, and I really wanted to include Braxton Berrios getting a touchdown pass from Jamison Crowder. Really wanted to include that in my list. No idea who that is. First of all, Braxton Berrios is probably one of my three favorite names in the NFL. It's uh, a good one. It was pretty dope. Um, but then I started thinking, and I'm like, is Jamison Crowder to Braxton Berrios any more irrelevant than – Sam Darnold to um, Ty Hern to Herndon. No. Herndon. No, no, no. Every Jets touchdown in that game was fantasy irrelevant, so I can't yeah. count. It didn't even yeah. make it. If you if you were still playing, and, and you have to take into it too, if you're playing in a fantasy right. no one's playing him unless they're absolutely. You don't, you don't have a Jet. You shouldn't. You, you should. Well, you shouldn't. Maybe Jamison Crowder, and unfortunately, that's what hurt that touchdown. Is that Jamison Crowder is probably the startable jet, and 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 in a stretch or an emergency scenario, maybe Denzel Mims, and you were hoping for a speed wide receiver. Touch. That's it. There's nobody else you're playing. Um, but yeah, no, we had um we had a couple honorable mentions this week. Uh, going to give a handout first of all to Des Bryant, who has uh, scored his second touchdown of the NFL year. Uh, going to throw that out there. We had a Drew Locke rushing touchdown. Um, James Conner, uh, I'm counting as fantasy irrelevant honorable mention just because uh, I didn't even know he was going to play in the game. And then he shows up at the goal line and vultures <laughs> from the one guy that started Benny Snell and had no points and was just like, at least get me the six. And they're like, James Conner's got it. We got this. Oh, Spadudios. Uh, and I'm going to give another one to A.J. Dillon. I don't think he was super irrelevant because um, there was an injury to Jamal Williams, but uh, but looked real good. Uh, as a as a fill in change of pace guy sure did. Uh, in the snow, uh, thirty yard run and a seven yard run. Uh, but let's get to my uh, my official um, my official list um, as we get to my full on honorable mention was Brandon Allen uh, of the Cincinnati Bengals throwing a touchdown pass of eight yards to Drew Sample. Who? Yeah, nobody clapped in Cincinnati either. Uh, so that's your honorable mention. Third place, I think the rest of mine are all – no, they are not all rushing touchdowns, so I will take that back. Third place comes from the uh, the Vikings. Uh, big chance for folks in the finals to get some touchdowns. Out of, uh, they're shooting for those Dalvin Cook touchdowns, trying to fight their way through a fantasy final. And who gets the four-yard touchdown run? Mike Boone. Yeah, that's what I heard too. I'm like Mike Boone. I think it's his second <laughs> touchdown of the year. Uh, he, he almost won on relevant earlier in the year, earlier in the year as well. Uh, second place comes out of the city of Chicago. Uh, you think rushing touchdowns? David Montgomery's been hot, but a three-yard touchdown vulture this week from Artavis Pierce. 
Who the hell is this? I don't think his own mother knows. And uh, number one, and possibly our first repeat champion of Fantasy Irrelevant Touchdown of the Week, Kyle Juszczyk of the San Francisco 49ers with two, count them, two uh, receiving touchdowns from C.J. Bethard. If you started either of those two in your fantasy finals, you're in the same boat as the rest of us. I have no idea who that is. So, you, you, and I look at you, chick. You, chick is how you say it. it looks like Juck Sick. Juck Sick. Yeah. Went to Harvard. Wow. Another Harvard guy. Yeah, Harvard guys is making, just making plays happen this weekend. It makes sense because I feel like. Was him? They are, they are smarter than all of us. Because because uh, Fitzpatrick's a Harvard guy, and um, I was trying to remember who he threw to, and I and I don't think it was Uzcheck. Uh, but there was a point in in his career in one of the nine teams that he played for, uh, where he threw to a Harvard uh, either fullback or tight end, and it became the first time in an NFL game. Um, now Fitzpatrick's been playing for like forty years, so I'm not sure what year it happened, <laughs> uh, but it became the first uh, Harvard to Harvard NFL uh, touchdown uh, was thrown by Ryan Fitzpatrick. But here's a Harvard touchdown. Two of them this week. Fantasy irrelevance. We got one more week to figure this out. There we go, Sean. Let uh, let the people know where they can follow you. We're going to close this thing up. We have uh, two weeks from tomorrow. The NHL drops the puck, so we are. Uh, Close, starting to close the page on football a little bit, but hockey, basketball's underway. Hockey's just around the corner. We still got things to look forward to, but let people know. Where well, I've already go. closed the door on football. Uh, I'm fully aware that this Sunday's our last game of the NFL season for me. Uh, I know I got um, the Flyers right around the corner, so that makes it all better. I am at Sean Shine State, uh, S-H-A-W-N, Sean Shine State, uh, down here from the Tampa Bay. And I want to just wish everybody a happy new year. Uh, let's get the sports rolling into 2021 the same way we enjoyed them here in 2020, uh, maybe this time in person. So God bless, be safe, and uh, we'll see you next time. All right, you first, you can follow me at Big Jim Sports, but just make sure you are following the show and you can see it on the graphic here. Subscribe to our show on all podcast platforms, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Check out our home network, NGSC Sports, as well as the sponsor of the show, Arena Eats at ArenaEats.app. Make sure you are following the show. Facebook, Twitter, at Huddle Up Podcast, on Instagram, at Huddle Up Pod. Happy New Year, everybody. Stay safe, stay smart, go for the win, and we will talk to you next week. Huddle Up Podcast is sponsored by Arena Eats. Log on to the website, arenaeats.app, that's arenaeats.app, for the ultimate fan experience. At your favorite sports venue, Arena Eats mobile app, pre-order, express pickup, and in-seat delivery. How do you place your order?